Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. Tristan, I know for a fact mm -hmm. that you are from a country called the United States of America. That is unfortunately true. That's a thing about me that I can't change right now. And as someone who's married to an American, I know that Americans really like things that take place in their country. And this is episode 19, the yeah. first episode of It's Probably Not Aliens to be about something that actually takes place in America. America. Tristan, I got to tell you, you're saying it all wrong. You have to drop the first A and it's just America. That's how you say it. America. You lived in Texas. So I'll trust you. America. That's how that's how we all say it. We all say it exactly that way. And it's not annoying at all. I understand that because Americans uh, will just speak completely normally and then they'll just have a name for like a city or something that's just out of nowhere. Like, oh, yeah, I was just hanging out in uh, Terre Haute. And I'm like, that's not how French. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that sure does happen a whole lot. There's I mean, I lived all over the place, Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina. In fact, I, I don't have a like a really southern accent like a, a Southern American accent, I would say. But because I grew up in a lot of Southern places, when I say city names, I, it comes back out. Even normal ones. Charleston is one where I feel like I have to force myself not to say it in a Southern accent or else I'll... Because if I just say it off the tip of my tongue, I'll be like, yeah, Charleston. And it's like, oh, oh my, that's, oh, Carolina <laughs> Scott. Oh my. That's it. That's me. That's where I grew up. It's slipping through the cracks. Oh boy. Oh no. Well, we're going to meet some American aliens then, yes? Yeah. So, hello, everybody. Welcome to It's Probably Not Aliens, the podcast about ancient aliens, the show, the aliens, and whether or not they came here before or after. Wait, no, that's not how time works. Um, <laughs> Did they come here after this podcast was recorded? Time will tell. If they do, uh, remember this podcast because I mm -hmm. want a Nobel Prize or something. But yeah, we look into claims of ancient astronaut theories focusing on ancient aliens to... Uh, to get ourselves started because there's just so much to dig through. And we look into not only whether or not it's aliens, and so far we're at 100% not aliens. Uh, I have hope though. I have faith. I think we're going to get to one one being definitely aliens mm -hmm. at some point. That's when the show ends. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we got it. 
we'll just like what's it called the last episode of the show will just be like we'll be like in our 70s and uh first contact <laughs> will finally happen and we'll be like well guess it was you are, this time you it are, is aliens you are so confident about how well this show is gonna go we are if you didn't listen to the last week's episode we just now realize like have finally released the show to the public so we can actually get feedback now and so far it's been good so maybe we will make it to when we are 70 years old uh also my name is scott nicewander i'm one of the co-hosts of the show i know nothing i don't know any i show up like a newborn baby every episode totally unaware of what we're going to be talking about and then tristan says hey uh scott here's some facts and logic thrown at your face yes my name is tristan johnson i go into a cave uh and come out (laughs) disheveled and uh traumatized uh, just like showing tablets of just <laughs> undesirable, forbidden knowledge, just uh-huh. screaming at everybody randomly. Uh, and then we record it and put it on the internet and people listen to it. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm the only one that can calm him down by sitting and listening <laughs> to his ramblings. Sun's getting real low. Um, <laughs> so today, as I as we mentioned in our extremely long cold open, we're talking about America. And actually, American alien. Superman was the first American alien, so I think. F- well, this goes back a little bit further than Superman. Oh, interesting. Okay. And also, uh, this also kind of comes to you. You lived in Texas for a couple of years. So this comes to the American Southwest, the deserty Ooh, place. Dry America. I'm familiar with it. Yes. Everyone wears cowboy hats. Mm-hmm. Uh Everyone is real, real sticklers for for property laws, if you can believe it. And I probably just offended the Texans because I said that it's part of the Southwest. But we're actually talking about a group of people who live primarily in New Mexico Mm. uh, called the Zuni or the Zuni Pueblo, depending upon what kind of person you are. Just for the record, because I know that we probably have a lot of Americans listening and I am a Canadian. And so... I will not be saying the word Indian at all in this uh, episode because it's considered a bit more of an offensive term here in Canada. So Mm -hmm. we usually refer to them as First Nations. I will be referring or by their national name. So I'll be focusing on using the word Zuni. But I just want to make a little note about that because... Uh, oh, it's it's a whenever I have to teach American history to Canadians, yeah. we have to be like, well, this textbook is going to say this word a lot. So, uh, yeah, you just yeah, kind of yeah, have to yeah. roll with that. So the Zuni, according to ancient aliens, are a interesting nation of people who have been closed off from the rest of society because they have a secret knowledge about star people. Yes, this I, I this was episode we're 19 episodes in. This is Ancient Aliens episode 2 that talks about this. From what I gather, if I can just talk as a person who's only seen the episode, they are a very as you said, there's a they're a very closed off group. They saw some of the ancient astronaut theorists use the phrase uh star people or space people even Mm -hmm. uh, to describe these beings that apparently have visited the Zuni people all these many, many years ago. And we have proof because on the sides of some uh, like some rock faces, they've made petroglyphs that have drawings of people and things that definitely look like UFOs and spaceships and aliens. 
people in helmets. There's always helmets. That's yeah. the thing that is like the giveaway to the ancient astronaut theorists is this person's look like they're wearing a helmet. So it must be an astronaut. And this one, there's also evidence because if you talk to the Zuni people, they'll tell you that they're aliens. They've incorporated yes. the aliens, which they call the Kachina, into their spiritual beliefs, at least according to the one guy that ancient aliens talk to. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that they celebrate the aliens' arrival on Earth with something called the Shalako Festival. And that uh, the description of what the Kachinas look like is that a person with a spacesuit and a helmet and a visor. Yes. uh, And that uh, the person who they interviewed for the episode said that his parents saw a spaceship and described it as a bird. So they were not even, so these aren't, some of these might not even be ancient aliens. If this person's parents saw them, then these are recent aliens. True. So are the Zuni people ancient aliens? Or at least did they make contact with aliens abroad? That gave yeah, them all I this information. I don't even know if the episode asked if the Zuni people themselves are aliens. They're not aliens. That's, they're very much okay. people. Uh, yeah, I think so. Think I, about I, it, I we're, wasn't, the, we're the aliens. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't like, oh, that's a good thought, Tristan. Like, are they aliens? No, I was just like, no, it's, I guess I didn't realize that that might be a thing that people had believed. But yes, the show mostly focuses, the episode that I watch anyway, mostly focused on if they were visited and if they, you know, made these carvings and these festivals as sort of a tribute or uh, remembrance because very much like the uh, episode from last week, this is a group of people that does not have, uh, according at least to the episode that I watched, does not have a written like language or they don't pass on. It's all oral traditions. Yes, uh, like many cultures that their traditions are passed down through an oral uh, culture, which is a thing that uh, a lot of societies do, even societies that have written language. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that this is it's part of their their tradition and it's a thing that happens. And there's been a long and sad history of historians sort of dismissing oral histories and oral accounts. Uh, and tossing away a lot of stories as uh, as a side effect. But yeah, uh, we're going to talk today about the Zuni, uh, a magnet for misinformation and also uh, people that have been um, basically because they're so quiet about their own their own beliefs. A lot of people have tacked on all sorts of beliefs to them. So we're going to talk a lot about who these Zuni people are and what they believe or specifically uh, why we're not going to talk about what they believe and Hmm. about the not only ancient aliens, but like ancient astronaut theories and things like new age spiritual stuff and its relationship with not only the Zuni, but with Native Americans in general. A lot of ground to cover right now. Yeah. Well, let's jump into it. Sure. Who are the Zuni? The Zuni are a uh, tribe or nation that live in modern day New Mexico. They're part of the Pueblo people, which is sort of a term for indigenous people who live in the American Southwest, uh, who are formerly under Spanish colonization at one point. And they are believed to be descendants of an ancient civilization known as the Anasazi, who are famous for doing things like building the first apartment buildings in North America and having a fascinating uh, ability to construct and live in some of the harshest environments that this continent has to offer. Wow. And much like last week with the Dogon people, the Zuni are part of what's called a language isolate. Now, while we have languages that they descend from, we don't have languages that they are cousins with. There are no other languages sort of on this branch. They've come, they've kind of moved out on their own to the point, and this is kind of mm-hmm. a fun side theory that's not about ancient aliens, but it's another you know thing that people have made up about the Zuni, 
is that because of some very superficial grammatical similarities, that people have used the Zuni and looked at their language and suspected that they are the descendants of Japanese settlers who came across the Pacific because there's some superficial grammatical similarities between Zuni and Japanese. Gotcha. So obviously nothing, nothing there proven. Just yeah, and it doesn't bear out with uh, DNA evidence because um, well, there you the go. Zuni people aren't long lost people. They are alive today. <laughs> they live in. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, they have a group of 13 matrilineal clans that are organized through roughly like kinship groups. And they have, uh, compared to a lot of indigenous people, they have erred very heavily on hanging on to their traditional culture and have really been selective about what parts of modern American life that they have integrated into their society. Uh, they're also a very small uh, nation consisting of only about 10,000 people today. Uh, and that's a bit outdated because, um, as we'll get to at the very end, that number is a lot lower now. Oh, this is going to be one of those episodes. Yeah, this is another one that ends with a charity. Oh, boy. So the Zuni are a deeply religious people. And we're going to talk about their religion because their religion plays a large role in how their culture has been appropriated by different groups, including the ancient aliens people. The Zuni are deeply religious people. They have a complex ceremonial religious life uh, centered around gods or spirit beings. The word doesn't really translate super well into their uh, religious life called Kachinas, which is sort of like a uh, Spanishization of their word for it, which is more like Katsinas. Okay. And according to their own mythology, and I'm going to be very sparse in the details for reasons I'll get to later, they believe that in the past, their ancestors emerged from underground and eventually settled in their current location. And much like with the Dogon, uh, they have something called the Kachina Society, which is a group that is responsible for performing all of the rites of the Kachina, which is made up of males who are initiated into it at the age of 12. They receive a mask, a ceremonial mask that the ancient aliens people brought up and talked about, which they keep guarded in the back room of the owner. And every day it is offered food. The mask is offered? Food? The mask is offered food. It's it's. Considered a representative. This happens a lot in a lot of different religious okay. traditions. Okay. Uh, even in Catholic traditions, like in Mexico during the Day of the Dead, oh, sure. uh, people bring food to their ancestors. And yeah, if you have a mask, the owner gets admission into the dance house of the gods. And after they pass away, four days after their death, the mask is buried with them. Mm. Now, Kachinas, contrary to what History Channel wants to tell you, are more spirits or personifications of various different aspects of the world. They could be uh, something like the elements, could represent the wind, the water, the sky. They could represent a location or uh, a quality or some sort of natural phenomenon or even a concept. There's kachinas for the sun. There's kachinas for stars. There's kachinas for thunderstorms, for wind, for corn, for insects, and many other things. One quote I have about the description of the kachinas is that the presence of life is in all objects that fill the universe. Everything has an essence or a life force, and humans must interact with these or fail to survive. Hmm. So taking this group of people and distilling them into sky people or sky visitors yeah. is a gross oversimplification of obviously something that is very deeply entwined with their spiritual understanding about their interaction with the natural world. Yeah. And and I think, uh, I don't know if we'll get to this later, but something that I noticed in the episode is it sounded like the people who were that the one person they talked to who was like a little bit more well-versed in the Zuni sort of culture 
kept using the the phrase specifically, not even sky people, like said sky gods, which like seems totally normal. But it was all the ancient astronaut theorists who kept using phrases instead of sky gods. They were talking about like star people, space people, which just makes it sound more like alien. It sounds like a purposeful mistranslation of what they're talking about to make it sound more like aliens. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk about where that comes from in a little bit. Okay. But here's the important thing. And this is why I'm not going to do too much about the details of their spiritual life like I did with the Dogon. And that is because, and ancient aliens really should have respected this, they have an an important part of their spirituality is that these rituals and these concepts are supposed to be kept secret from outsiders. Mm. What we know today about the Zuni comes from a man named Frank Hamilton Cushing, who ignored all of their desire to not let their secrets outside and basically earned their trust, wrote a whole bunch about it, and then published it to everybody. Hmm. Yeah, Cushing wrote in great detail about their sacred ceremonies and uh, these things that were all supposed to be secret parts of their religion were uh, made public, which is uh, not a good move Mm-mm. and not something that I wish to repeat in I feel like I've already done more than I should have with this episode, but um, this is this is why I don't really want to uh, describe these things or go into too much more stuff. And a lot of the reason why people have attached so many of their things onto their beliefs because a lot of their real beliefs and their real rituals are something that the Zuni themselves like to keep close to the chest. Gotcha. So... What I'm going to say for the most part is stuff that the not the Zuni specifically worship or follow, but it is stuff that they share with other indigenous tribes and nations that live by them. So Kachinas are not unique to the Zuni. They mm-hmm. are a part of the spiritual beliefs of many Pueblo peoples. As I said, people who live across the southwestern part of the U.S., There are Zuni rites practiced by the Hopi, by the Hopi Tiwa, uh, and certain Karasan tribes, as well as uh, most uh, Pueblo tribes in New Mexico. And Kachinas have three different major aspects. There's the supernatural beings. Uh, There are Kachina dancers, people who are part of the Kachina society, and also Kachina dolls, which are small dolls that are Uh, that look like a kachina that are given only to those who are or will be responsible for the respectful care and well-being of the doll, such as a mother, a wife, or a child, or a sister. So kachina can mean any one of these three things. Okay, it's got a range. Yeah. Yeah. So the term star people comes from uh, the fact that in many indigenous nations, and this seems to be a, you know, if you study comparative mythology, seems to be a part of the religious beliefs of many indigenous cultures in North America, mm-hmm. and that there's many different cultures that believe that either people, ancient gods dwelt in the sky, or that uh, they came from the skies, or that they had some re- relationship with celestial fixtures, such as like the Pleiades star cluster and things like that. Mm-hmm. The Pleiades cluster actually shows up in several indigenous uh, origin stories. Uh, And it probably has to do with the fact that many of these cultures spent a significant amount uh, more time outside than a lot Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, sort of uh, old world, which is kind of not a great term to use, but uh, sort of Eurasian African uh, societies. Okay. And so they were they were outside, they were looking at the sky a lot. Yeah. And as we talked yeah. about with the Maya people, that there is a strong reverence of stars in the sky that seem to be very prevalent in the Americas because it would be a thing that they saw on a very regular basis. 
uh, a living reality that they would have lots of time to think about and look at and discuss. Yeah, of course they like stars in America. We got 50 on them on our flag. <laughs> oh, man. One common one, one story that you might be familiar with is a Lakota legend of the creation of a certain constellation made by seven maidens who were chased by a bear and they were being chased. They prayed for divine intervention and the ground beneath them erupted and took them high into the air, which brought them out of harm's way. And as the ball, uh, the bear clawed at the risen ground and eventually those uh, maidens became this star cluster. And this formation, this is a description for a formation on the ground called uh, Devil's Tower by white people. Uh, it's in the state of Wyoming. Uh, okay. and it is a really cool thing. I've actually like been to it and it's such an amazing thing to see. If you are, uh, if you have never been there, you probably more recognize Devil's Tower uh, because it featured heavily in a movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, I'm seeing that. I Googled it. Yes. I, I've i never seen that movie because I just don't watch movies, apparently. I'm not, uh, I'm not film cultured enough, but uh, this looks real cool. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, there's a campground not too far away from Devil's Tower that they do nightly screenings of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, of course in, they do. Yeah, because <laughs> it's America. Everything's a tourist trap. Um, Everything's like, we got one thing. Let's capitalize on it. I mean, it's Wyoming. They don't have a whole lot going on. They don't. No offense, they Wyoming. No, you know what? Oh, there's offense. Th- offense. Um, <laughs> Here's a painting. There's a painting of someone who rendered the bear trying to climb up it. It's a real big bear. It's a pretty, it's an enormous bear if it's to scale. This is fun. This is a new thing I'd never heard of. Now it's a la- it's a landmark in my own country I had never heard of before. Yeah. I went on a lot of road trips across the United States as a young person, so I have seen many fun things. I think there are You there are 5 US states I've not been to. <laughs> you you've been to more of the United States than I have. I live here. This isn't fair. How how would you feel if I said, "Oh yeah, I've visited every city in Canada?" Uh, congratulations. I haven't uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So does it make you feel? Does it make you feel less Canadian than me? Uh, you've been to all of the uh, all ten of the thirteen provinces and territories, something like that. Mm-hmm. Just because I know we'll get comments about it. Uh, the answer is Arkansas, uh, Alaska, Hawaii, Washington, and Oregon. Um, okay, fair so, enough. Cool. So continuing, uh, the Hopi believe that their ancestors came from the Pleiades that they call uh, Chuhukan or those who cling together, and it's a reference to a tightly grouped star cluster that appears to the naked eye. Uh, Other oral traditions or legends speak of origins, if not in the Pleiades, then in the stars generally or other constellations. For example, the Cree believe that they arrived on Earth in the stars as spirits and then became human beings. And uh, as I've learned in uh, my, uh, you know, learning about local religious traditions, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy has Mm -hmm. a origin story that uh, believes that essentially the uh, the first that the first woman uh, Sky Mother came down to Turtle Island and, and it's a, this this shows up this shows up a lot. This is all I'm trying to say. Um, sure, yeah, absolutely. It's all over the place. Yeah, and there was also mentions of the Crab Nebula being particularly important in Zuni uh, belief structure and like specifically like they were talking about the Crab Nebula a few times, which might have a very interesting thing about it because the Crab mm-hmm. Nebula, this is the topic of the second ever Step Back video, is one of the Ooh. coolest interesting stories that we have for telling when things happened. 
because in uh, the year 1054 AD, okay, the what was the crab, what is the Crab Nebula today, was a star that went supernova, and we oh. have accounts around the world of people seeing this star go supernova and uh, documenting it. So we can like uh, we we've seen this in uh, like the Aborigine people in Australia. We've seen this in cases in the Byzantine Empire at the time. Like we have seen, there's written examples all around the world of seeing yeah. this supernova go off. And it's um, a it's a shared universal event that everyone sort of witnessed. That's yeah. really interesting. And in the 11th and- century. <laughs> And then you can just trace, you know, based on uh, based on when that happened, when, you know, you can sort of plot out when other things happened uh, based on when that was written mm-hmm. about, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was written about in China. It was written about. Yeah. And uh, many, uh, many cultures have in their oral traditions stories about the uh, Crab Nebula that has maybe anyways has roots back to this event that happened a thousand years ago. Which uh, shows just how uh, powerful oral traditions can be, that they can record events like that and keep them going that long. That is one of the coolest things I've learned from this podcast. I think it's fascinating. And if you're going to indulge my ADHD on this, there's also one more interesting thing on this. Please. Which comes from uh, children's history, which is sort of an emerging field in history, studying the culture and lives of children who obviously don't get to write too much about their uh, experiences and lives so that it's a little bit more, you know, it's more, more difficult to figure out what their internal lives are like. Mm-hmm. And we've learned stuff like how a lot of children's rhyming games have roots that might go all the way back to the Roman empire. So there's all sorts oh of gosh. wild stuff like that. Oh, so, and you have a video about this on your YouTube channel. It is the second ever step back video is on the, uh, SN what's called the SN 1054 supernova. All right. You all have to, you got homework now. After it's, this it's a rough ends. video though. It's, oh, okay. it's from the days when I was still trying to figure out how to make content as everybody if you have a favorite creator and you think like, oh man, they're so good at making stuff and I could never ever live up to their level of uh, polish, go watch their first video and see what it looks like. Uh, or, you'll learn so or, much. Or ask them personally if they think what they're making is good. And most of the time they'll tell you, I don't know, I'm still trying to figure it out. That's true. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the weird relationship between indigenous spirituality and claims of UFOs and aliens. Let's do it. Let's let's pivot back to the actual topic. Okay, so there's been a long history of indigenous culture being appropriated by different groups trying to spin UFO theories or spiritualist theories. On top of that, there are a few indigenous people who have used their own cultural heritage to promote these kinds of things as well. The discussion about this gets all really murky and really complicated. Uh, One example that I found out about was a man named Black Elk who lived from 1863 to 1950, who actually toured with uh, Buffalo Bill's Wild West show which um, for anyone who doesn't know about that, it is like the thing that traveled around the United States and sort of uh, showed off what people would associate with like the Wild West to Americans on the East Coast. So like a lot of our concepts of the Wild West come from like this Buffalo Bill Wild West show where they basically built the whole mythology about what was a series of wars and appropriations of people like the Zuni's land. 
Well, it's and I, and I imagine that also feeds into earlier. I joked about how everyone in Texas wears cowboy hats. That is not true, uh, but it is a thing that people ask a, a lot from people who visit Texas or have lived in Texas like me of like, do people wear cowboy hats? I was like, no, people are just people. But going again to like this, this whole uh, Buffalo Bill sort of curating this idea of cowboyness, I think, yeah. uh, played into that. For sure. And part of what was really sad about Buffalo Bill's Wild West show is that it also featured uh, at least several like indigenous people who themselves were actual veterans of what's collectively called, I'm sorry, the Indian Wars. Like they have like people who have literally like lost their land and lost their Mm. like nation and then uh, out of desperation, then put on a costume to look like their traditional (sighs) clothing to then perform for white people. In, but it is basically like, you know, a glorified rodeo. That is cruel. <laughs> I do not like that, Tristan. Yeah. So Black Elk performed in these shows when he was young, uh, converted to Catholicism and tried to do a little bit of work by uh, trying to make a distinction between the spiritual and alias. So okay. uh, in a book that he wrote with a guy named William Leon, uh, in a, bu- a book called The Sacred Ways of a Lakota, he says, okay, so this is this will be fun. So when I went to Vision Quest, that disc came from above. The scientists call that a unidentified flying object. But that's a joke, see? Because they're not trained. They lost contact with the wisdom, power, and gift. So that disc landed on top of me. It was concave, and there was another one on top of that. It was silent. But it lit and luminesced like neon lights. Even the sacred robes, there were luminesced, and those tobacco ties lying there lit up like little light bulbs. Then these little people came. But each little group spoke a different language. They could read minds. And I could read their minds. I could read them. So there was silent communication. You could read it like when you read read silent symbols in a book. So we were able to communicate. They are human. So I welcome them. I said, welcome, welcome. First contact, first contact. Yeah. So this is a, this is Black Elk, uh, a prominent, probably one of the most prominent CU people of all time, a cousin of the legendary Crazy Horse. Mm -hmm. For the record, if if we're just like throwing out really cool places to go in America, uh, the Crazy Horse Memorial, I believe, is close to Mount Rushmore. It's basically a huge project to try and create a statue of Crazy Horse that is on the scale of Mount Rushmore. Uh, and it has been delayed several times due to funding cuts and stuff like that. So it's always like only partially complete, but it's still like really cool and cool to go see. So why do I not know of these places? <laughs> this is my own country. Why is America so big and so uneducated? I don't know anything about where I live. America's got a lot of really cool stuff. And so if anybody ever recommends to go to Mount Rushmore, go to the Crazy Horse statue instead, because yeah, uh, this looks awesome. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Did you just Google it? I did Google it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is this is a cousin of Crazy Horse, the man from the statue, but also Crazy Horse, uh, really big part in like American, uh, like Western history. Yeah. Uh, and really big person if the statue's to scale. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to come back one more time. Jokes come in threes. Um, mm-hmm. And he tells us that this. So this is somebody who's related to him saying that he saw ETs arrive in an illuminated disc. Uh, then there's uh, other people like a there's a modern day new age figure by the name of Standing Elk, who is widely featured on YouTube and a regular at the, quote, Star Knowledge Conference. <laughs> 
who hmm. uh, pushes a blend of, quote, wisdom teaching, uh, which has been emanated from what he calls the star people are the star nations, who okay. include everyone from white buffalo calf woman to Buddha, the Egyptian god Toth, and even Krishna. Hmm. This is where we get into like spiritualism, where... A lot of people in this kind of new age movement just grab whatever bits and bobs of religions they like and smash them all together without any yeah, this thought is, towards their culture. This is a, a big range. And top of, you know, talking about his, uh, you know, spiritual beliefs of, uh, you know, his his own culture integrates things like karma and fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth dimensional frequencies. Um, and yeah, it attracts a lot of white people who come and, uh, and you know, really absorb his message. And a lot of indigenous people who are very skeptical. <laughs> Why do you think it, I mean, this is a whole big question. Why do you think white people specifically are attracted <laughs> to this sort of stuff? That's a good question. Um, if we had an answer, I feel like we should write a book about it because, um, yeah, appropriating this guy is basically selling appropriation of his own culture, which is kind of, you know, kind of sad. Yeah. So he embraces the idea of star star people or star beings. And that's kind of where mm -hmm. this this term uh, is popularized or not not specifically him, but like the New Age movement sort of sure. brought it in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but veers significantly from the sensibilities of many of his own people, especially because a lot of his own people are Christian and reject his spiritual panoply <laughs> and others are merely suspicious. I, uh, I found this uh, from an article from a CU newspaper. So that's why it's like. Uh, very, it's very like, you know, ooh, there's some hot goss going on here. Oh, yeah, ooh, ooh, this is good. It's a little drama going on. Yeah, the, the I love these quotes that I got that I'm just like, I just, I can't, I can't paraphrase them. Like the quote unquote chief seems to have taken up the star people owing to their popular cachet as a means through which to create an eclectic new age religion suitable to the Sedona set. Um, oh, the, the, the quote, the chief in quotes. Yeah. Is, Delicious. This actually does bring up a, a one one quick thing, and then we'll we'll jump back into it. Some people have requested. Again, we're just starting to get feedback. Some people have requested potentially sources in the descriptions of our podcast episodes. We'll figure that out. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can. I, I've got a bunch of those written down somewhere. I can probably put that together. Yeah. So while these are just two cases of people, and it comes from a lot of you know internal hot goss. It is an example of how New Ageism specifically has appropriated a ton of indigenous spirituality. And because the Zuni are very closed off and do not want their spirituality to be public, a lot has uh, latched on to them specifically. Ah, because they're not going to speak up to refute or set things right. They're just like, mm -hmm. leave us alone. Yeah, I want to get another quote here uh, as a response to what a prominent Lakota uh, person who is part of the Fort Peck Reservation in Montana, a political activist with direct family connections to the American Indian movement has to say on these beliefs. Yes, please. I would love any sort of uh, direct quotes from sort of primary sources, as it yeah. were. I never heard of those star people stories until just recently, he said, hmm. when folks started watching Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. And as far <laughs> as I'm concerned, they are all made up. What I have been told by the chiefs of Dakota and Lakota, as well as the Northern Cheyenne, is that we're all born with a spirit helper. I don't think my creator would like it very much that someone buzzing out of a spaceship is one of his helpers. <laughs> Hold on. Our show just got called out. Not our podcast show, but our favorite show, Ancient Aliens from History yeah. Channel, just well, got called out. What this means, though, is that there are prominent people in the like Lakota community 
and various other indigenous peoples who are getting this like star child stuff from people who have watched ancient aliens and then think, hey, here's a person that's prominent in the indigenous community. Maybe I should ask them if their their spiritual helpers are actually aliens. Unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, fun. Very, very, very cool and good. Um, Cool and good. Thumbs up white people. Just batting a thousand on this one. Cool and Um, good and normal, actually. (laughs) And I think we're going to end it on a happy note, right? Um, well, okay, let's, let's talk. This is, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of come together and wrap up a lot of what's, uh, being talked about here. So, all right. Yeah. Um, weave your web. Okay. So another thing about the Zuni is that when Spanish colonizers arrived in, uh, modern day New Mexico in the 16th century, they were believed to have come from what are called the seven cities of Cibola, uh, which is supposed to be the rumored empire of gold that was sought ah. for in vain by a man named Francisco Vasquez de Coronado and uh, other conquistadors. So yeah, they're, the, the Zuni were colonized by the Spanish. I'm sure many know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, them and other Pueblo tribes did try to uh, rise up against Spanish rule, but were ultimately defeated in the Pueblo Rebellion. And like with the Dogon, the Zuni have a religion that adapts and adds to their own beliefs because they have an oral tradition, much like how Sirius B got added to the Dogon belief structure. Mm -hmm. To some people in the Zuni community, especially the ones that ancient aliens can pay to talk on their show, they can integrate things like UFOs and aliens into their spiritual belief and that not being a contradiction. Sure. And as, as I've said earlier, comparative studies of indigenous people show many references to stars in the sky. And also that all of a sudden, somehow what were called sky people became star people in new age circles. It sounds so, it it is so new agey. I I know we keep using that phrase, but that's what it sounds like. Sky people becoming star people is very like, I don't know. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's. I, I say this for aesthetically, aesthetically only, it's rad. Everything else about it, it's got some problems. Yeah. Uh, to kind of give an example of like the integration and relationship that uh, we were seeing with uh, the Zuni people, there's one Zuni elder by the name of Clifford Mahuti. And he, yeah, he's a Zuni elder. He's a member of the Kachina Society. His story says that grandfathers taught him about a very direct connection his people had with beings from space. He explains that he was taught by his grandfathers who did not speak English and Mm. interpreted their words and concepts using modern phrasings that nonetheless accurately represent his old beliefs. Mahuti does this, it seems, to account for what many would deem outlandish developments that seem to have gained a foothold in some quarters of this is this is again some inside drama <laughs> of modern Native American thought that ancestors were extraterrestrial be- aliens and that they continue to visit and interact with peoples to this day a claim independent of the peyote religion and hallucinatory experience. So uh, just to show that like there is like some corners of Native American society where this is a thing that's being like you know uh, played with. Yeah. Uh, so that, that makes things even more complicated because, yeah, there are even people who are not grifters who are really talking about the idea of integrating the idea of extraterrestrials into their own spirituality, much in the same way that I imagine someday when the Mormons go to convert the aliens on the other side of the universe, they're going to have uh-huh. to. They're going to have to reconcile with it. Yeah, we know that, you know, well, we don't know, but we can pretty rightly guess that there is life somewhere in the universe. And the fact that there are people trying to 
spiritually integrate that certainty into their religious worldview seems more progressive than uh than yeah. you know, than uh what you know it's written off as but it doesn't mean that it's proof that this actually happened yeah it's just it's sort of like getting ahead of the curve a little bit mm-hmm. and in many ways a lot of ancient aliens is writing about the zuni people does a a glib inter reinterpretation of their traditional beliefs trying to take something that's spiritual in nature and trying to make it literal mm. and again the show shows more talking heads than experts who uh, come on as for TV appearances rather than being part of the intellectual discipline. And yeah, they don't seem to have a lot of knowledge of what's going on. Or if what? they do, they are doing extraordinary revisions of traditional beliefs to fit what? ancient aliens. On ancient aliens? Yeah, yeah, But yeah. that shows on the History Channel. They can't lie about history. <laughs> I know, I know. Again, as Carl Sagan says, and uh, I think someone said that we should have said this on the podcast a lot earlier, uh, Mm -hmm. extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And they sure do. While there are some people in the Zuni nation who are making the claim that, you know, their ancestors are aliens, that's not by any means a universal belief. And, uh, you know, we would need something a bit more than some, you know, petroglyphs to uh, really cement the case. Yeah. And we're not here to like... We're not here to destroy religion with facts and logic. That's not what this podcast is no. about. It's it, but but the idea that there are alien visitors and that they have visited or continue to visit as you were saying some believe it, it is such a such a huge huge claim that I personally Scott we've been over this before I would love there to be aliens out there I fingers crossed I would love them to make contact we'll see how that goes um eventually hopefully good but yeah just just sort of hammering home this idea of it is a an enormous claim and currently does not seem like we have the the evidence to back that up no and of course uh a lot of the claims outside of that looking at the petroglyphs was just another case of this thing looks like a thing um yeah and again they showed uh these symbols on the thing when they're not supposed to be shown to outsiders and even under analysis they're usually animal heads or other sorts of like nature depictions wait hold on Hold on, run that back by me again. They sh- they were not allowed to show the images that they showed on Ancient Aliens? I mean, they're not supposed to. The Zuni would prefer that those kinds of things are not made public. Well, that just makes me mad now. <laughs> <laughs> that that actually does like really piss me off a little bit that they would do that. That I didn't I didn't realize. That. I mean, obviously they didn't talk about it on the show. So, I had no idea. That's uh that's not that that's no good. You can't be doing that, History Channel. Come on. And the last part where I make you sad because I do want to say that like I um I wanted to tr- I, I'm doing my best to try and respect the spiritual beliefs of the Zuni people by not, you know, digging too much into their internal affairs. Uh, though one thing I do want to mention is that the Zuni and many of the Pueblo people in the native reservations of the American Southwest were hit particularly hard by COVID. There's, I'm sure this has made the news a little bit, but a lot of Southwestern indigenous uh, communities were dis- like decimated huge numbers of very ill and dead uh, because of the pandemic. 
So I would like to put in the description at least, uh, you know, yes. try to do something by uh, donating to a COVID fund for uh, First Nations, which is a nonprofit that tries to give support to indigenous communities in the United States. Yeah, that you have it written here on the sheet. I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, the URL is firstnations.org slash COVID fun, a uh, fund, not fun. COVID is not fun. Yeah. Firstnations.org forward slash covid fund and we'll try to have that link in the description obviously as we keep talking about these episodes are recorded way 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 in advance so hopefully by the time you're listening to this covid is behind us i'm sure there will still be need of some sort of monetary support for those who have been impacted um and also if covid isn't behind us by the time you're listening to this Hey, there's are multiple great vaccines that you should get if you could, if you can get them. You just pick one, pick any of them, go get a vaccine. They're great. I've had one. Tristan, you've had one. Yep. They're great. Look at us. They made us podcasters. That's what the vaccine does. I like it so much. I got two. There you go. Tristan got two of them. But yeah, like uh, from what they're saying, uh, a lot of the emergency fund stuff is gone. But right now they're trying to do stuff to make it easier for them to do like online schooling and to uh, essentially... Yeah build their own resilience network to uh, take care of it because uh, not too surprisingly, the U.S. government did not come out in a big way to help them out. And they very much had to help themselves uh, to survive the pandemic. So now you've you've hit on a lot of stuff that I didn't know about America, about all these all these landmarks and things that are new to me. But what you said there sounds very much like the America that I'm familiar with, sadly, uh, that that is unfortunate. And I hate that. So. Yes, please, if you can, please help and donate and uh, help out the these people in need. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you can do after you've done that, uh, great segue, um, is uh, uh, listen to this podcast more. Uh, you can- <laughs> yeah, listen more, please. Uh, you can you can follow us on Twitter at Probs Not Aliens. Hopefully, we've started posting something to Instagram. I don't know, but we have that as well. Who knows? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, Tristan, where can people find more of you? I am at Step Back uh, at stepbackhistory.com where I make videos about how the past intersects with today. Woo! What do you do, Scott? I have a, a YouTube channel called NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C, where I make video essays that are a little overly personal about very niche nerdy subjects that I like. Nice. And then, yeah, make sure, please leave us more reviews. Oh, did you want to read more reviews very briefly? Of course. Of course, yes. Yes, let's read a couple more reviews because they were very fun last time. This comes from Office Policy, who says, I hope the aliens listen to this podcast and finally decide to come say hi and let us take a high def photo. Dang, that's a good one. <laughs> that would be great. Blue Snake 462 says, you, you may ask for four, but you get five. Stars, that Aww. is. I'm adding that bit. So thank you so much. Please leave more reviews. We'll read more of them on the show. Uh, they're very fun to do. And if you did leave us a four-star review in the past, because past me said to do so maybe leave a five-star review instead uh and tell your friends it's the most important way that we can get this podcast out to more people is by by other people 
tagging your friends on Twitter. Oh, I peeked real hard in the microphone there. Tagging your friends on Twitter uh, or telling them about it in real life. We have just a very simple website, probsnotaliens.com that has all the links to where you can listen to it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, tons of other places. Really easy to share with people. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we got a very special episode for you next week. Good surprise to get you through to next Tuesday. Uh, But until then, the truth is out there. Probably. Probably.